Welcome to Peers Like Me, a podcast hosted by Western New York Independent Living. Today, our guest is Kathy Lynch, community mental health advocate and 2023 inductee into the New York State Disability Rights Hall of Fame. Our host is Maura Kelly, the voice of the individuals WNYIL serves. Peers Like Me is a regularly scheduled podcast developed by people who have been severely and personally impacted by mental health issues. For many people in this situation, seeking to be understood and having hope for recovery is often elusive. Peers Like Me podcast aims to address these barriers by educating listeners on all the different ways people can seek help, understanding, and hope through interviewing our guests about their journey of recovery, their community leadership, and successful lives despite their own issues related to mental health. Peers Like Me podcast also envisions increased understanding by our community, neighbors, and coworkers to have each one of us be truly included in the community and hope for recovery and living very fulfilling lives. Uh, welcome to Peers Like Me podcast from the West New York Independent Living. My name is Maura Kelly. I'm the West New York Behavior Peer Liaison, and we are in the middle of Elmwood Village in Buffalo, New York at Cafe Aroma, and we have a special guest today, Kathy Lynch, who is a lifetime almost uh, resident of the Elmwood Village, and Kathy Lynch is the 2023 Disability Rights Hall of Fame uh, awardee inductee, and I've been privileged to talk to her. She agreed to talk to me. Um, She has spent her life dedicated to advocacy uh, and uh, improving the rights of people with mental health issues, and she has struggled herself, and I thought, she, Kathy has something that is just outstanding from anyone else I see, and that is her uh, personality of gratitude. And this is a time, the holiday time, and uh, in just socializing with Kathy, she talks about things she does, efforts she makes, just to be grateful. And, and it's very refreshing and surprising, especially in this day and age where everything is so negative. So welcome, Kathy, to the Cafe Aroma podcast, Peers Like Me. Thank you very much. It's really good to be here today. Yes. And I really appreciate that topic. I think uh, gratitude and kindness can be a way of life, and it's a way of life that really supports us, I think especially peers in our recovery process. I, um, Growing up, I was a real introvert and very quiet and shy, and I always felt an outsider status. I struggled with depression. I was a trauma survivor, and it was really, I, I was really pretty pretty dour yeah <laughs> pretty, yeah so we, we've been you know socializing a little bit and I, I remember one conversation recently and we were talking about the holidays and I was talking about New Year's Eve and Christmas and you just said well I do this I do. so do you want to share like for a lot of us holidays are just so like major major but you've sort of turned it around so well, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm not married, I'm single, and sometimes family have got a lot of different activities going on, and friends have got different uh, activities going on, so some holidays I end up spending alone, and I really... Which uh, many of us do. Which many of us do, yeah. And uh, New Year's Eve, people would say, well, what do you do on New Year's Eve, Kath? And I said, well, yeah, actually, I keep a journal, um, and I review the journal from the last year, 
and I look at, you know, ways in which I've changed, grown, and areas that I need to improve. Intentionally. Intentionally, yeah. yeah. And then I really and I uh, say a prayer of gratitude for all those folks in my life that really helped me through difficult issues during the past year. And as I age, believe me, I'm having an increase in difficult issues. And I feel really blessed to have a wide array of friends that really help me through that. So I do the gratitude, a thank you for all people, for everyone who had been there for me in the past. So there, can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to make a list of gratitude? Like, how did you get, how did you make that turn? You, you were an introvert, you know, stuff was going on. How did you make that transition to an attitude of gratitude? Well, I think I was, I was blessed always to have, um, a lot of really good people in my life that believed in me. I was very shy. I was an introvert. I wasn't a people person yeah. at all. And But I was a bookworm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I read a lot about very good people doing good things and how you could support each other. But I was always blessed to have a, a per- key person come into my life at a critical time. And, uh, and you noted that. You and I noted that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And I always wrote about that, you know. And I thought, you know, I really need to to really reflect on all the good things in my life instead of dwelling on some of the bad things that happened to me in my lifetime. So you chose what I, an admiral of a tough career, you were involved with the mental health system, but you were involved in state psychiatric providing services, you were involved with the New York State Office of Mental Health. You've been through and seen a lot in your day, like it's still going on. And what I've noticed is that these administrators, these big shots, would seek you out and seek support. Like, that's, I think that's, why do you think that was? It seems like your positive attitude rubbed off to people that weren't usually forthcoming or transparent with their feelings. I think I really learned, I think I really learned to see the other person's perspective and always to listen to Say with administrators, they have all these rules and regs that they have to follow, and I sometimes didn't understand why something couldn't get done. So I would listen to them, and they appreciated my understanding their perspective. So seeking to understand. Yeah, I think really, and also I think my RN background really was an asset. That's right, you started your career in the RN. As an RN. Yeah. And I also worked as a a psychiatric nurse, and that really, they knew I understood both sides of as my friend Drew Hammer, who's an Ireland, said, yeah. she wrote an article about being on both sides of the fence. Right. Yeah. And you were a peer. I remember I worked as an RN in med surge nursing and in cancer nursing at Roswell Park. And when I was hospitalized uh, for the first time in Erie County Medical Center, and I saw the way people were treated, it really made me change my career. I decided I was going to do advocacy for... Um, of folks with mental health issues. It's sort of a natural, like if you it, see something wrong, you, you know, you gotta do something. Yeah. You can't yeah. just sit by. I can't sit by. back. No, yeah. no. So, uh, this attitude, uh, how has it impacted your life? How is changing your life to gratitude? How is that? How are you feeling today? You know, you're in retirement. You, you know, how, what does it do for your life to, you know, the, I guess, perspective? Well, I think really, um, really just recognize. I mean, we, we live in really tumultuous times here in the United States and internationally right now. And again, it's like focusing on, on, on the good in life. 
they're always as good in life, you know, even if it's just getting up in the morning and enjoying my cup of coffee right, yeah. and doing my meditation in the morning. But I always begin the day with, uh, with a prayer of gratitude for those things that are in my life that are making my life enjoyable now. And there always is something like just even... I live near Bidwell Parkway, the changing autumn leaves, going out and sitting on the park bench and watching two squirrels play. You know, there's simple pleasures that just really bring so much joy in my life now. Yeah, so I know for me, the praying and the uh, God thing was very difficult to embrace, and I, I still struggle with it. Was that an issue with you? Or, like, I know your background, your race is so... I was raised in a, in a very rigid Roman Catholic background in yeah. South Buffalo. So are you recovering Catholic? <laughs> yeah, I wear it when I go out to South Buffalo. My brother and people, yeah. and my friends get a kick out of it. I wear a recovering Catholic. Oh, oh cool. <laughs> and yeah. I have a couple of friends that are ex-nuns and ex-priests. <laughs> so you make a, a laugh about it. You, you, so we laugh yeah, about it. Yeah. I laugh about it. You know, but then we have serious discussions right. about why I'm no longer a Catholic. Right. You know, and I, so I, how did you get that? <laughs> I don't want to say higher that that God in your life, your God in your life. How did you? Because because many of us have negative experiences growing up with religion and, and the concept. Right, right. Well, I I, I basically really you know did a lot of spiritual reading and meditation and really believed in the deep connection to each other and uh, the deep connection to life and feeling this sense of interconnectedness with everything. And I felt that there had to be a creator, creator's God, mother, whatever, um, uh, something there. And uh, I do, I, I changed churches. For a while I was a Unitarian Universalist, um, which is a very broad-based religion. And then I became a member of Unity, which believes in this philosophy that we are, you know, all interconnected, we are all one, and we are all part of the divine, as opposed to when I was raised as a Catholic girl that were victims of born right, with original right. sin, you know, and I could, I never could understand yeah. that as a child. You know? Right. So in your spirituality, in, in your journey, your life journey, do you, is, so you've had this attitude of gratitude for your whole life, it seems like, you know, probably starting decades ago. Is being grateful part of being natural to you now, or do you have to make a conscious decision like, I need to be grateful or decide that to be... Do you have to make a decision, or is that just part of your life now? It's part of my life now. Yeah. Initially, it was a change because I was, you know, I had the mania. I was diagnosed with bipolar mm -hmm. disorder, and I had the mania, and then I had the slump and depression. And the depression, I was never enough, right. you know? So I had to really... Then I really focused on trying to see the positive things in my life. And initially, it was really work. Yeah. <laughs> I really had to work to change my attitude and then it became just natural every day. It's so you don't you're not in the suffering major depression. No. Because you've changed the way you're thinking. Right. You know, the cognitive change of right. consciously deciding I'm gonna decide to look for gratitude. I'm gonna decide right. that training your brain I guess that that's what they can do now. You, they know well, that science... It's, like I said to one of my friends who believes strongly in cognitive therapy, it's like, yes. you've got cognitive therapy, but then you have to do the action step. Right. And that's the part where people get stuck. They change their thought, and they, they're doing all these positive right. affirmations, whatever, but there's no action step to make a change. Right. And that's where I see so many people get stuck. You know, you have to 
take that attitude and then convert it into, okay, you know, I'm going to do this for someone today. I'm going to help this person. And that person, in turn, expresses gratitude to you, and then you feel so much better, right. and it becomes a And cycle. that's part of the peer support. Like, right. And that's why we're talking, because in just being a fellow peer, I saw, like, wow, this is a very special thing you have, this attitude. That is gratitude, you know. And then this cognitive, don't get people, the listeners, Kind of is the thinking, the changing right. your thinking, and I, I, my insurance pays my mental health provider a lot of money, and I asked her, how do you, how do you change your thing? How do you do that? And she said, practice. So she went to, you know, years and years of school learning what you naturally and peers do, all, you know, just practice. And right. Right. Yeah, and I think that was really, you know, for me, it was like, you know. Um, uh, once I got labeled, because I was re- very shy and an introvert, nursing really helped broaden my attitude because I had to engage and interact with people. But when I got involved in the peer self-help movement, uh, Roger Stone at the MHA first started the first peer, peer self-help group. And when I first went to one, I was very anxious and very, because I was an introvert. Right. And I wasn't a groupie. I wasn't right. used to going to groups or participating in any extracurricular right. anything. And George Delepti was the founder of, of, of uh, Unity Club. Yeah. And he had been in and out of the hospital about 11 times, like I right, had. Yeah. And now he was working on his master's in social work. Yeah. And I said, wow, if George can do that, I can do that too. Right. And so I felt that hope again, peer to peer. And peers, once I had that, you know, they again promoted that hope and those activities and those action steps right. to maintain that hope. So that's where the practice right. comes in. Fellow peers said, okay, Kathy, you said you wanted to do this. You wanted to get comfortable going to coffee shops. Right. Okay, well, we're going to go to coffee shops with you, you know, until right. we feel comfortable. And, I mean, the self-help movement was wonderful in that way. Yeah, yeah. we need each other. We, we need, need each other, other. yeah. So, like, I know, for me, I feel, and I think sometimes, the people see me and they just turn around and walk away, you know. And, and But when people see you, I think they, they want to find out about you. They want to engage in you. So you've changed your life totally to not someone to dodge, but someone to, you know. (laughs) Well, it wasn't easy. At first, I remember when I started, when I changed my position from working at the Western New York Independent Living Center to working for the state, it was like the change in attitude of the providers. It was like, oh, now I was the boogeyman. I worked for the state, you know. And I had to kind of like work a little harder with humor or whatever to engage folks, you know. Which brings in another skill or another craft you have. And that's your puppeteering. Right. So so you, I met you in the 90s where I saw you on TV doing your puppets on a Sunday morning TV show. (laughs) Six o'clock in the morning, right. Uh, And uh, it was like, oh my gosh, she's on TV sharing her positive energy to kids and other trauma survivors. So that was a long, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. It really was, yeah. Well, I used puppets myself since I was an introvert, very shy, I was a trauma survivor. I would use puppets and play as a way of getting nurturance and expressing my feelings. And then I started doing some volunteer work at Children's Hospital and other places. And children wouldn't relate to people because people who were supposed to care for them had wounded them in some way. 
So I thought, well, maybe I could work with a furry critter. So I started working with the puppets, and that really was a breakthrough for the kids, and also it gave back to me so much. It really did, you know. And I enjoy doing it now just for fun, you know. And I have peers call me that are really desperate and, and, and really, you know, I can say whatever. And But if I put one of the puppets on, they're laughing, you know. Right, right. And that's your been listening to Peers Like Me, a podcast that explores issues related to behavioral health, sponsored by Western New York Independent Living, Inc., with the assistance of the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Today, our guest has been Kathy Lynch, community mental health advocate and 2023 inductee into the New York State Disability Rights Hall of Fame. Our host has been Maura Kelly. 